You might like to open, uh, if you've got your Bible there, to Psalm 94, if you would. Psalm 94. I really enjoyed in Jackie's uh, testimony uh, because it fits in really with the uh, the thought here today where she said about that uh, she uh, she went and she, uh, you know, she stopped everything as it were and she looked to the Lord and she prayed and she received the Holy Spirit, she spoke in tongues and then she said about it was it was such a comfort. If you look with me, this verse here uh, in Psalm 94 has become a, a favourite of mine in recent times. In Psalm 94, in verse 19, it says, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. The multitude of my thoughts, thy comforts delight my soul. It actually says a fair bit to us. To be delighted with something. It's, uh, you, you're having a, 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 an, an enjoyment and you're being lifted up and you, oh, this is just really, really good. To be delighted. It's, it's, it's better than just being happy. It's sort of, a, it's things that happen momentarily for us. Little episodes of delight that we have. We have things of delight sometimes when we see the things to do with our, our little kids when they're growing up. And they go and they'll do something and uh, you just sort of see a, uh, a, a, a moment of excitement and just having a really, really good time with things just for a moment. It's not just a general happiness. It's things that come in a moment. When it talks about here, your comforts delight my soul. So we want to have a little bit of a thought there today about the comforts because there's actually many of them that the Lord gives to us. I don't think that we can go past going to uh, Psalm 23, if you would. So I have all the kids up here on stage. It's actually a great motivator to a lot of uh, people when they're going to have uh, children and or they've got a little one sitting in front of them and they think, what am I going to teach them? What am I going to make important in their life? And up to that point, it might be that people have been pretty self-indulgent it's all about me. And all of a sudden, it's not just about me anymore when you've got a little one that's come along. And it becomes an important thing. I know it was an important thing for, for Sue's sister, uh, Eileen, at the time she had a, uh, a, 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 a baby. And the thought was, what am I going to teach them? What's going to actually be important? It is one of the Lord's comforts is that we know what to tell people. We know what to teach our kids. And that's a really important thing. But we want to have a look here. Right in the middle of Psalm 23, though we'll go back to the beginning of it in just a moment, just in verse 4 here, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It says, For thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We want to have a bit of a look at a couple of things in this psalm. It starts off in verse 1, where it says about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's just read it through. A lot of people know this. A lot of people learned to recite this when they were children, or they went to various churches and so on, but maybe didn't give it a lot of thought, just things that we're able to recite. It says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. 
and then, Yea, thy watch through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, my rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And then the conclusion of all of that is, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's an amazing psalm, and it's grabbed the attention of so many people. But let's just start to, uh, to, to break it down a little bit. It says, the Lord is, it starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, a lot of people have been able to uh, recite this, and the very first line, the very first line, they actually don't have a real connection with the tongue. That's like where people talk about God being a heavenly father or you know, Jesus being their Lord, but they haven't done the things that they've said to do. And so they've actually missed out just from the very, very beginning. You now, if the Lord is our shepherd, then he's got an obligation to us. He actually has to interact with us. If he's not interacting with us, he's not yet our shepherd. And we have to follow him. We have to be obedient to him. We have to follow his direction. And we rely upon him as important to us. The Lord is my shepherd. And the big overarching statement, I shall not want. It's more than just, I'll just won't go without anything. Because it might be that there's some things that we don't get. And maybe in the goodness of God, he's decided, well, there's some things that we might want that are not actually good for us. Or it might be some things that we'll have in due time, at a more appropriate time for us where we're going to get more of a benefit. It says, I shall not want. If it's important, I won't miss out. It goes on then, he says about he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. To be led beside the still waters, that might be from a time where you weren't beside still waters. He directs our path and he takes us towards a better place. And that's a great comfort to us. But that's his intention all the time. There are so many things that are a comfort. And then it goes on, he restores my soul. Now to restore our soul, that implies that sometimes our soul wanders and it's not in the place where it's supposed to be. But the goodness of God, he restores my soul. When it talks about being a shepherd, it seems that uh, some people have written that no creature loses itself sooner than a sheep. They lose their way, they end up all over the place, they go astray, and then after, they actually don't know how to find their way back. They don't have an intelligence that goes along, says, oh, I went this way, I'll retrace my path. And they can be stuck out there, and all of a sudden, alone, and there can be other predators out there, and they're in all sorts of difficulty. The very best saints understand that our human nature will always serve to lead us astray and to lead us in another place. And so we have to be able to recognize that as they say, sometimes my thoughts aren't really quite right and we can miss the mark about where we're supposed to be. We can turn into sort of little byways, little paths on the side. If it wasn't for the Lord to restore, 
would wander endlessly. Once we'd got off the track, we'd never end up back on the track again. It's the goodness of God for us to know that he'll restore our soul, that he will correct us. And sometimes he has to chastise us and come along and give us a little bit of a, a little bit of a beating or a little bit of a tap as you're going the wrong way, come back here. It goes on about, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads in the paths of righteousness. So he, he, he defines for us what our duty is. He works through us through our conscience. And he lets us know when we're not in the right place. And he says he does that for his name's sake. And that's an important thing. The life that we end up leading upholds the reputation of the Lord himself as long as we let him to be our shepherd. He shows his faithfulness and he shows his credibility in our life. It's really important. It says in that verse 4 where we started, it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a valley is not a place with a clear horizon. It's not always clear where we're going. It's a, a, a deep place. And in the, uh, when you look it up, you find it's talking about a gorge. It's talking about somewhere with, with, with steep and lofty sides. The sun doesn't get in there. You don't know how long you're going to be walking along that path before you're going to emerge into something that's a, 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 a better terrain to be on. We don't know about those things. As the valley of the shadow of death, there's great imagery in that. The valley of the shadow of death, it actually means a calamity. There's calamity all around about. We know that there's time and chance and there's circumstances that happen in a person's life and it can be a really, really discouraging place. But the comfort that comes from the Lord, he says, trust me, you'll get through this. There'll be an end to this valley. There'll be an end to this where you can't see where you're actually going. You don't know how long this is going to go for. And then it talks about his rod and his staff, and they comfort me. So we're talking about being comforted. And so it's about his rod and his staff. Now it's alluding there about there's the, uh, uh, there's, there's a rod that the, uh, the shepherd had, and there's a staff. And they had the different purpose. The shepherd always had to give an account of all of the sheep. And he had a rod, and the way they count, they passed under the rod. And the idea, as long as you keep passing under that rod, you still belong, you're counted, you're known, and you're looked out for. And when he talks about his staff, that would be the thing that he used to drive away dogs and other things that would be you know, getting, you know, getting the sheep and trying to get them all upset and so on. And he might actually get a little bit aggressive with that staff as well. So there's a place where we know where we belong and we know that we're going to be uh, protected. It's great to be counted. What a comfort. It is a great thing. It's great to be counted. And it's great to be protected. You know, the actual New Testament parallel to all of that is about his word and his spirit. His word and his spirit. 
you know, to do with his word, if we're going to be comforted, to actually to know what the promises are. There's a lot of people who go through life and have no idea what the promises of God are. So his word is a comfort to us. So there's, so there's the promises, but also his expectation of us to be able to, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But also his standard. So I know what I'm supposed to be achieving. That's actually a comforting thing. There's a place to fall back when challenges come. When people come along and say, oh, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. And people are always coming across people who have got various forms of gospel and so on. Just be nice to each other and so on. For us to be able to actually know a scripture, and we say, well, actually, the word of God says this. And that's a comfort to us. And, of course, there's his spirit that he gives to guide and to teach and to build faith. So you're able to build up faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We've got access to get help in the time of need. What a comfort. His comforts delight my soul. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. We'll just leave the Psalms there for the moment. There are a number of things that make us secure. As they comfort us. We can go through, and we won't go through all of these uh, today, but there's things to do with truth. For a whole heap of people, I now know the truth. I know what the facts really are. And they discover about things of mercy and of wisdom and give a good direction. They discover understanding. They discover knowledge of God. And those things are fantastic. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it tells us, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You know, without the promises that come from the uh, from the Scriptures, people don't even know what they can hope for. And they're left without promise. Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, if you ever want to know about comfort, go back to John chapter 14. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's talking specifically to them, but it's recorded here for us so that we might know what the expectation is. In John chapter 14, we'll just start in verse, um, we'll start in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Because if, I, if I'm really your shepherd, you're going to have to follow my directions. And for a lot of people, they might be able to recite, as I said, they might be able to recite the psalm. But if they're not doing what he says, he's not their shepherd. If he's not our shepherd, then we are actually astray. We're actually not in the most secure place that we're able to be. So keep my commandments. He says, and I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter. So Jesus himself was a comforter. The words, the encouragement, the healing, the miracles, and all the things, he showed everybody that his Father was alive and well. 
He showed everybody that the things that were spoken about through the Old Testament, the things that were predicted that were displayed in him, people were able to lift in their confidence. The word of God is true, isn't it? He says, he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, he uses this word comfort and comforter a couple of times here, slightly different little uh, meanings on it, but still to do with comfort. He's going to give you another comforter. In this context, there's someone who is an advocate for us, who stands up for us. It's a consoler. It's sort of, you know, somebody just sort of like to help when our feelings are a little bit astray and don't really know what we're supposed to be doing. But an intercessor. I'll go on your behalf. This is a little bit similar to being an advocate. And it says that this, this comforter, in verse 17, it's even, it's the spirit of truth. And the world can't receive because it doesn't see him. Neither knows him. He says, but you know him. He dwells with you and shall be in you. Verse 18 then says, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now a number of people have been around for some time. They understand that that word comfortless, us, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as if you have no family, as if you have uh, you know, no, no structure around about you. Because a lot of people just don't have the structures that they need. But God promises to be a heavenly father. I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You know, there's so many people in this world that have lost family or they, they live a long way from them. They don't see them anymore. They've had their fallings out. Uh, there are so many people that have become orphans and they, you know, they, they've, they've got a disconnect with their natural heritage. And the Lord says, well, I'm going to bring you into a better heritage. I'm going to bring you into a better place. And maybe that's just the greatest comfort that he's able to give. He says, I'll bring you to a place where you can belong. And you don't want to miss out on that. I will come to you. Verse 19, it says, Yet a little while and the world sees me no more, but you'll see me, but you see me because I live, you'll live also. Let's just jump down. Verse 26, speaking of this comforter. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, in this sense, the comforter is a restorer of a person's soul. It's a restorer of your soul. The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. What a comfort. We're actually going to be taught. We're going to know what we're supposed to learn. We might also then be tested on it. And when we pass the test, well, that's a great comfort to us as well. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He's going to restore you to a good place. He's going to make sure that you are there. Just while we're there, just uh, in uh, in chapter 15, and verse 26, near the end of chapter 15, it says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. 
And then it says, and you also shall bear witness. We actually get to see the things of God. And the Lord says, I'm going to live in you, I'm going to dwell in you, I'm going to do marvelous things. Second Corinthians chapter 1. You know, the Lord's got a number of uh, titles for himself. And we just want to look at one here in a moment after we... If you do a bit of a search through the scriptures and you find what God is the God of, and you will find he's, he's the God of salvation, he's the God of glory, he should be the God of a person's life, he's the God of my strength and my mercy, the God of the whole earth, he's the God of truth, he's a God of glory, he's a God of patience and consolation, which also means comfort. He's a God of hope, he's a God of peace, he's a God of love and peace. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, just in verse 3, and it says, And blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. If you want to be comforted, if you want to know what you're supposed to do with your life, if you want to be assured of a future, if you want to have hope, you've got to be connected to all of this. Verse 4 goes on to say, Who comforts us, in all our tribulation, and out of that says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, says by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. He says, I'll comfort you now, pass it on. Let other people know what they're able to have. And for anybody who's along here today that hasn't had that Holy Spirit experience yet, that's what we're able to share with you. Our experience is true. The things that are written in here, they're true. And that's a comfort to us. And we want it to be a comfort, comfort to you as well. In uh, chapter 7 of, of this chapter, it says, God that comforts those that are cast down. There's times in people's life where they're a bit cast down. But how can we how can we be sure about all of these things? Well, we find the Word of God, but we also find the testimony of God. And if you're unsure, you know, in this meeting here today, you can find where God has touched people's lives, and it's actually an assurance that Jesus Christ is alive. We can find in our meeting here today, and I'll just mention just a a, a few people. There was Rod who was healed of uh, migraines and Grant with his headaches. Jed with his carpal tunnel, his heart attack and his brainstem stroke. Bri with her chronic fatigue. There was uh, Lorraine and there was David Hillier to do with the chronic asthma that should have killed them early. There's Saskia with her Julian virus syndrome. Jane with her healing on her hands. Lily and others unable to have children, now able to have it. We have Vicky uh, Hillier, David Fleetwood and others to do with drugs and so on. We go across our assemblies and we can talk about people being healed of AIDS and uh, uh, you know, uh, caught up addicted to alcohol, uh, depression, the things that sort of affect so many other people. Leukemia, uh, meningitis, smoking, celiac disease, arthritis, things to do with the womb, dermatitis, glaucoma, deafness, eyesight, back problems, drug addiction, emphysema, the list goes on and on. What a comfort. They're the stories that we're able to tell. 
We'll just go to, uh, to Mark chapter 16. Jane, in a little while you're going to get an invitation. That you might join in and be a partaker of those things that will comfort your life. There's a lot of people who want to run a bit independently and think that they're able to. Oh, you can do that up until you get sick. You can do that up until something happens to your family that you have no control over that you're able to, to help out with. And you have to sit there and feel just powerless. You can do all of those things. Better to be attached to the one who actually is able to help. Jesus Christ gave these words here where people say, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, I mentioned some things that give us an idea that Jesus still works. In Mark chapter 16, I'll just start reading in verse 15. This is the instruction that Jesus gave to every one of us. Verse 15, And he said to them, to his disciples, We'll go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, what a comfort. There's a gospel. There's something to be preached, and we're able to know what it is. He said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. There's a way of salvation, but otherwise there's a judgment, and that's a clear thing. It says, And these signs which follow them that believe, in my name they cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them, and they'll lay hands on the sick, and they're going to recover. It's going to be the miraculous. So, so then after the Lord has spoken to them, who have received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God, and we could have thought, and that was the end of the matter. But the next verse says, no, it wasn't. It says, and they went forth and they preached everywhere. It says, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed that word, the things that he said. This is what he's supposed to preach to people and I'll back that up. And he confirmed the word with signs following. Jesus is still able to confirm his word with signs following. What a comfort. Romans chapter 15, we're going to finish off with that verse. There's going to be some special things happen in our communion time. We're going to be remembering about Jesus and the things that he put in place for us. Do you know, in our meetings, we have what we call the, uh, the, the spiritual gifts, you know, gifts of the spirit. But the Lord speaks through people. And actually, it's a wonderful thing. And it says uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, about you can all be involved in that and you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. We're going to be encouraged through all of that time. But anyway, just to finish off on things here, folks, there's an invitation today for you to be baptised, but also for you to have prayer, be filled with God's Spirit. It's called the promise of the Father. Jesus talked about that, and that's what he called it. And he said to his disciples, if you want to be any good to me, you wait in Jerusalem until you receive this promise of the Father. It says, and then you'll be useful both in Jerusalem and Judea, and he expanded out Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Then you'll be useful. 
is actually a great feeling to be useful. Be useful for God. Don't miss out on that. So in Romans chapter 15, we'll just finish here. In verse uh, 13, we'll use here. Let me go, okay. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And it tells us, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Hopefully some of the testimonies and things that have happened here that you've heard of, they help your believing. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. And it says, it's through the power of the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, you don't have that connection. We don't want to miss out on all of those things. Jesus is able to confirm exactly what he said with the signs following. And for every single one of us that makes that attachment, we're able to say to him, it's true, you know, your comforts delight my soul. We're in a special place. Let's keep praising the Lord. Amen. Amen.